Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, and welcome back. This is going to be for the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to start with the uh, explanation of the Bible Dictionary, because I think this helps. A Greek translation of the Hebrew koaleth, a word meaning one who convenes an assembly, sometimes rendered preacher. The book of Ecclesiastes consists of reflections on some of the deepest problems of life as they present themselves to the thoughtful observer. The epilogue which is in Ecclesiastes 12, sets forth the main conclusions at which the writer has arrived. The author describes himself as son of David, king in Jerusalem. The book of Ecclesiastes seems permeated with a, with a pessimistic flavor, but must be read in the light of one of its key phrases, under the sun, meaning from a worldly point of view. The term vanity also needs clarification, since as used in Ecclesiastes, it means transitory or fleeting. Thus the preacher laments that as things appear from the point of view of the world, everything is temporary and soon gone, nothing is permanent. It is in this light also that the reader must understand uh, Ecclesiastes 9 and 5 and Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, which declare that the dead know not anything, and there is no knowledge in the grave. These should not be construed as theological pronouncements on the condition of the soul after death. Rather, they are observations by the preacher about how things appear to men on the earth under the sun. The most spiritual part of the book appears in chapters 11 and 12, where it is concluded that the only activity of lasting and permanent value comes from the obedience to God's commandments, since all things will be examined in the judgment that God will render on man. All right, so that's a brief introduction. So I'm just going to read some highlights from the rest of the chapters. Chapter 3, verse 1. This may sound familiar to some of you. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail or business, or work, or occupation, or task, which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in in their heart. In the Hebrew says, hath set the eternal in their heart, without which man cannot find out the work that God hath done, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Chapter 4, verse 13, Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Chapter 5, verse 12, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. I wonder if that means that uh, if you're rich, you're always worrying about your money and you just can't sleep because of it. I don't know. 
Chapter 9, verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. The race is not to the swift, nor riches to men of wisdom. Do not fret, nor be too, so anxious about property, nor think that when you have gathered treasures, they alone will produce joy and comfort. For it is not so. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor riches to men of wisdom. The Lord gives the increase. He makes rich whom he pleases. You may inquire, You may not. You, why not make us rich? Perhaps because we would not know what to do with riches. And that was by Brigham Young. Chapter 11, I'm just going to read a little summary about it. Uh, the stress here is threefold. Each individual must take advantage of opportunities while he has them. Life is uncertain, and there is no guarantee that opportunities lost will ever return, and one's future lies not in changing or in challenging, but in accepting what is and making the most of it. Jesus taught that we can control our destiny. We do not we do have some influence on our circumstances as well as responsibility for how we respond to them. Our obligation is to do all we can and not just learn to be resigned to our lot. And that was from the Institute Manual. Verse 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find, in many, thou shalt find it after many days. Chapter 12, verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This one verse gives meaning to the entire book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher finally sums up his whole philosophy and tells us to fear God and keep his commandments, to put first things first and all else will have meaning and not be just vanity. Life need not be empty or useless, spent in pursuing riches, fame, pleasure, or even wisdom. Henry D. Taylor, an assistant to the Quorum of the Twelve, said, If we keep all of God's commandments, we will enjoy a feeling of calmness, serenity, and strength. This will serve as a bulwark to protect us against the winds and storms created by the tensions and uncertainties of present chaotic world conditions. We need not wait until we get to heaven to obtain peace and happiness. We can have heaven on earth here and now. And that's the end of Ecclesiastes. See you next time. Bye.